Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, we dive into the book of Acts. Answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened were in these day, with, uh, there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had uh, also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning in Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And, he said to one, and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the, th- uh, the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's stop here for a second because I want to, we'll, we'll get to the later part in, here in just a second. So I want to kind of set up the scene here in a sec- for a second. We, we again have to appreciate, we, we, we take our contemporary view of things and recognize that, yeah, Jesus was crucified, but he was raised and he, you know, he was, he rose, he was buried, dead, buried, rose again and ascended into heaven. And that's all great. Uh, they were, they did not know this. They did not know that. Uh, they had put all of their hopes, all of their trust, all of their lives into th- this man who they believed was going to be the one to redeem Israel. The, they, they believed he was the Messiah and he died. All of their hopes and their dreams died on the cross and they're devastated. They are besides themselves, beside themselves with grief. They have they have lost a dearly loved dearly loved one. It, it's not just that you know they got to know him well. They lived with him for years. They ate with him for years. They heard beautiful the wonderful uh, truth about the kingdom of God from his lips, and he's gone. He gave them power two by two. He gave the apostles power to preach his name and to heal diseases and to cast out demons, all this stuff. And they were, and then he dead. They, they were waiting for the promise of the Messiah to come and rule in righteousness on earth and destroy all their enemies, foreign and domestic. And that there's a good reason for that. Christ is coming again and he will reign on the earth. Okay, that is that is happening. That is one of the aspects of the kingdom of God. So that's one. <laughs> we're going to see many different aspects, but that's one. And that's what they were expecting. That's all they were expecting. They didn't know the kingdom of God involved all of this other stuff, which is what uh, after Christ is raised for 40 days. That's what he's telling them. But right now he's in the tomb. You know, he died this 
terrible death. All the disciples are scattered all over the place. Um, eventually, the apostles uh, gather back together, but the disciples are gone. Everybody's gone. Uh, he's dead. Their hopes and dreams are crushed. Then Sunday comes, and the women, interestingly, I mean, it was their time, but they they go to um, to bringing spices, uh, and they're wondering, though, how are we going to roll away the 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 stone? It's a huge stone, <laughs> you know. But they're going anyway. We'll we'll figure it out when we get there. Uh, and when they got there, the tomb was open. And they went in, and then the body of Christ is not there. And they see two men, obviously angels, and they're in shining garments. Other uh, translations say white garments, but they're shining garments. These are obviously angels. Uh, and then they're afraid, again, because every time you encounter an angel, you're going to be very afraid. Uh, and they bow their faces to the earth, probably in fear, not as in, rever- not in reverence, because anytime you do bow down to an angel, they're quick to say, you know, get up. You know, I, that's for, you know, obation is for God alone, not for me. And, he, and the, the angel says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in, still in Galilee. So why do you seek the living among the dead? They had no idea. They had no idea. Christ would always say these things during his earthly ministry, but it, but, but it, wouldn't, it wouldn't penetrate as much. They still have their Jewish expectation of the Messiah to come and reign on earth. And we'll see that as we go along, too, because that doesn't stop even after Christ's resurrection and even after he's uh, ministered and taught him all the, them all this stuff for 40 days. They're still wondering, is it this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? We'll look at that here shortly. Uh, maybe that might have to wait till next week. And then so why do you seek the living among the dead? I have no idea. He's not here, but he's risen. That's news. Uh, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again, according to scriptures, in fact, uh, and for, according to the scripture. And they remembered his words. So the women are like, Oh, yeah, that's right. I do kind of remember something vaguely like that. And they go back uh, from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and all the rest. Remember, Judas is dead. So right now there are only uh, 11 apostles. Uh, Judas betrayed Christ and went and hung himself. All of his innards came spelling out. Uh, and we'll look at that here after a little while, too. Um, so the women who had gone was, were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who told these things to the apostles. And the apostles didn't believe it. Uh, first of all, the testimony of a woman at that time wasn't as great as the testimony of a man. First of all, you had to have two witnesses for, for it to be um, dependable at all. But they had a bunch of women. But the testimony of the woman at that time wasn't uh, to the degree of a man. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't set the word, rules, but that's how it was. But I don't think that's why they didn't believe them. I don't think they didn't believe them because, oh, gosh, these women, they are struck with grief. They are beside themselves. What do you think? Let's say, okay, and and y'all are pretending to be sad. And and then somebody comes and says, oh, no, no, he totally raised from the grave because that happens all the time. Right. How many times have you encountered that? This is new. This isn't, you got to put yourself there. They had already put all their trust, all their life. They had already dedicated everything to this man. And it, and he died. They're not, they're fairly reluctant to put his, their trust in him again or anything alluding to that. They're crushed. 
they're devastated. And all of a sudden these women come and say, Hey, his, his body's not there. We saw a couple of angels. They, they reminded me of what he had said. And by the way, do you remember this is what he had said? And they're like, yeah, well, you know, it seems like idle tales. And they didn't believe him. Uh, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb. It was actually, uh, again, uh, even in Matthew's account, it says there was just one angel, not that there were two. And many people get hung up on that. However, if there were two angels, then there was definitely one. So uh, that's not all that difficult. Uh, but yeah, Peter was one of the ones who, John was another one. But, but here it's saying, Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. But he still doesn't believe it. He's like, okay, this checks out. <laughs> okay, I, I, I see. The tomb is empty. His linen clothes are just chilling by themselves. He's not here. All right. What happened though? What happened? Did they take his body away? What's going on here? Um, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So two of them were walking. Two of these people, two of the people who we were just, you know, this crowd of people, two of them are walking. They're, one of them is obviously named Cleopas because we have his name. They're, there are speculations as to who the other one was. Some people think this is probably a man and his wife. Some people think that they're, that they're likely two men. It really doesn't ultimately matter. I just think, I think this is a, is a fascinating narrative though. I love this narrative. So they're, they're, they're walking. They're going to the village called Emmaus, probably their home, uh, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So they were in Jerusalem, seven miles they're walking. Okay. Uh, and they talk together of all these things which had happened. They're still struck and they're still, now they're trying to make sense of everything. And they're, they're, t and, but they're still sad because uh, so it was while they were conversed in reason that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus just shows up. The resurrected Christ in his resurrected body has a tendency to do that. He just shows up sometimes. Uh, you'll, you'll see in other narratives that, you know, they've got the, they've got the door, they've got it locked because they're still afraid that people are going to be coming after them, that, uh, the Romans might be coming after them. The Pharisees might be coming after them. So they've got the door locked and all of a sudden Jesus appears. There's something about the body, uh, of his re resurrected body that's not like our body. It's real. He, you can touch him. You can feel him. He can eat, which we'll see, but it's, there's something different. And there's also something it says here, but their eyes were restrained so that, they did, so that they did not know him. There was something, there was something that didn't make him immediately recognizable, whether it was, and I conjecture that it was probably something more magnificent, something more glorified, something more spectacular, something that he didn't have before he wrote and he was uh, resurrected. He just shows up. They're walking along the road and he just shows up. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk in are sad? He recognizes that they're sad. Of course they're sad. But so they're, they're, again, they're not believing yet. And that's what I'm trying to emphasize to you right now. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? First of all, this is, this means that this was huge news. Okay. When, when Christ was crucified, Christ's ministry and, and all of the, all of that's involved there. That was not, you know, just something that the apostles and the women were, you know, talking about. The whole city 
was talking about it. And surrounding areas were talking about it. Samaria was talking about it. This was huge news. And so they're like, are you the only one you know, who doesn't know about this? Where have you been? I just find it really funny because obviously he's the only one who does know actually what had happened because he was resurrected. They don't know that. So I just think it's funny. And he said to them, what things? That's even kind of opening up. He's, he's really asking, what things do you say happen? And that's where Cleopas starts saying uh, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. There it is. Their hopes are gone. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And now all that's gone. However, indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive and certain and all that that I already read. What's going on here? What is going on here? I, I, we're, this is what we're talking about. We're trying to make sense of it. We're, we're, we're heart, our hearts are broken. We're devastated. We're a little bit hopeful. I mean, we do have this account. We don't really know what to make of it. Uh, his body's gone. We haven't seen him. Um, you know, the women didn't see him. They said they saw angels, but we haven't seen him. He's risen. Where is he? <laughs> uh, so they're trying to make sense of this. And, and, and so Christ says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, uh, not the Christ to have suffered these things and, and to enter into his glory. First of all, those two things are essential. Uh, not the Christ to have suffered. First of all, O foolish ones, it's slow to, of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. This is what the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things, that's one, that's the cross, and to enter into his glory. That's the ascension, which we're going to talk about a lot next time. We don't talk, we don't consider the ascension as much as we do the crucifixion and the resurrection. We're going to talk about the burial here in a little bit, slightly. Um, but we're going to get into the ascension next time. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. The things, what I wouldn't give to have been there. My goodness. The resurrected Christ expositing the entire Bible and, and in a way that all of this from Genesis to Malachi, the entire thing is all about me. The, the, all the prophets were speaking about me. All the law was speaking about me. Uh, all of it is about me. The Psalms were speaking about me. And he goes through the entire thing in a brief way, probably, because we're only talking seven miles. He didn't obviously read, you know, read every single thing, expositing every single little thing. Uh, but he, but that's what he's doing. Now, look at how he admonishes them, though, too. He says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, that's a that's a that's a fair rebuke uh, coming from the lips of Christ. But again, we 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 need to be careful not to admonish these people too much and understand where they are. It's not a surprise that they're slow of heart to believe that they don't understand what's going on here. That's what that's what they're doing. They're talking along the ways because they're they're trying to make sense of this. All of a sudden, this guy just appears out of nowhere and just starts. First of all, they, he admonishes them. They still don't know it's Jesus. Um, first of all, he admonishes them and then goes to the entire Old Testament with them, uh, testifying that they're all about him, that it's all about him. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, which was uh, uh, Emmaus. Um, 
and he ind- and he indicated that he would go for have gone farther. And then they invited him in. It's it's a common courtesy uh, courtesy thing for the Jews to do that. It was actually mandated uh, uh, in their law that they're they they need to be hospitable. They need to bring in uh, strangers and care for them. Uh, but here here's a guy who's who's opening the entire scriptures. I mean, I think they're more than happy to invite him in. So. Uh, they say abide with us for it is toward evening. It's almost nighttime and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. That is a depiction of the, the Lord's Supper, but he does that over and over again. In the feeding of the 5,000, that's one of the things he did. He blesses the bread, he breaks it and, he, and, and it distributes to everybody. Remember, the bread is his body. It's it's metaphor kind of of his body but that's and that's what he's signifying so uh once he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them then their eyes were open and they knew him and no sooner did they realize that it was him that he vanished so <laughs> then their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight there's jesus for you uh, uh and and they said to one another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us so i don't know about you but my heart was on fire <laughs> you know we just thought this was some spare dude uh that that was helping us he was comforting us it was very great it was very gracious we did appreciate it but was your heart burning my heart was on fire you know and yeah did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us on the way? This was him. Not only were our eyes opened all of a sudden and he vanished, and we do know that it was him, but weren't our hearts burning while he was t- telling us about himself throughout the entire Old Testament? It's a beautiful narrative. Um, so then they ran uh, to the other 11, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. We saw him. Okay, I know the women went. And went into the tomb and, and they saw the angels. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> but we saw him. Okay. Uh, now let's go to verse 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. Again, Jesus has a tendency to just show up. So here they are. They're all excited. They're telling the, the apostles and everybody who's with them. We just saw him, uh, and just as soon as they're they're done with saying that, Jesus appears and he says, "Peace to you." Now that's a very comforting word coming from the lips of Jesus, but I guarantee you, not a person there was at peace, not even close. It's a great word of comfort from Christ to these people who are in abject misery, in 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 utter agony and despair. Utterly despondent, bereft of any joy whatsoever. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Wouldn't you? (laughs) And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Uh, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So real quickly. So you can't touch a, a spirit or a ghost. Right. And so he's, this is, this goes back to the beginning of uh, the book of Acts, where he says he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. There's one of them. Touch me. See me. Spirit and ghosts don't have flesh and blood as you see I have. And so while he was, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
I think this part is funny too. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? So, <laughs> so they're all still devastated. He's telling them, check out, check it out. It's really my body. You know, uh, spirit and, and, and ghosts don't have flesh and blood as you, bones as you see I have. Uh, and while they're still trying to figure this out, you know, now, now they're, they're somewhat elated. Now they're, 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 their hope is kind of getting a little bit restored there. But it's just a confluence of emotions, a chaos of a bunch of different emotions. Again, despair, name it. All of it's there. Hope a little bit. Joy a little bit. It's starting to creep in a little bit, but it's not quite there. It's just every array of emotions at its peak kind of a thing, all going in at once. And Jesus says, you got any grub? Uh, it's all well and good. I can appreciate that y'all are kind of devastated and I appreciate the consternation that's going on, but I am hungry. <laughs> I need to get my grub on. Uh, so he said, you know, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb and he took it and ate it in their presence. I think this goes back to as well, uh, the many infallible proofs. Spirits and ghosts don't eat as well. You know, they neither have flesh and bones, neither do they eat. Um, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried it up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So this is the one of the accounts of his ascension. Uh, briefly, the ascension is his coronation. It's it's his coronation party. The king has accomplished has 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 become victorious, has won the day, and he's going in to receive his crown. He's going in as the cor- cor- coronated king. His kingship is established because he has fulfilled that which he was sent and for which he came to fulfill. But that is his that is his coronation. Jesus also says at another time, "I must go away." because the apostles are distraught. He keeps on saying that he's going away and they're like, why? (laughs) No, no, don't go away. Uh, And he says, I must go away. Unless I go away, kind of the spirit won't come upon you. I must go away. The whole purpose of this is to send the spirit, which is the promise of the father. So, um, Again, going back to the scriptures open. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding. So he's doing that for the 40 days that he's with them. He's opening the scriptures and that they might comprehend them, especially as a testimony to him. Because uh, this is the first time they're really understanding all this. And you'll see in the book of Acts, they use so many Old Testament t- citations to kind of explain what's going on. And we'll see that as we go along. And, and that's partly what's going on here. The, all of their understanding is really happening 
first of all, in his earthly ministry, but in particular, the resurrected Christ is, is really expounding all of this. Um, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, uh, for him to suffer, first of all, and then to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, we'll get into that in a second. So that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Not God loves you. So do you elect to choose Christ? Do you accept Jesus as your savior? No, they're preaching repentance and the remission of sins, baptism into his name and receiving the Holy Spirit. Not to go look for it, but to receive the Holy Spirit on account of that true contrite repentance. If God loves you, there's no need for salvation. She knows where I'm coming from. Uh, that's okay. That's ne- it's, it's absolutely necessary. This is what we are going to see in Acts. What the purpose of the church is. Again, they didn't realize that they were starting a new religion. But either way, we can look at it through that lens. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just important to put yourself in that context. Whenever you're reading the Bible at all, it is an ancient work. So you do have to put yourself into an ancient perspective so you can apply that to your contemporary framework. Okay, you have to put yourself back there to understand anything today. Um, Behold, I send the promise of my father. Let's go ahead and go back to Acts chapter one about uh, specifically his burial. I mean, we all know uh, generally the account of the crucifixion, a bit of the resurrection. Those get all the headlines. Uh, But his burial is an exception. And it was also an exceptionally beautiful burial. Uh, when in Roman times, when a person was executed, they would take them out to a valley outside of the city, which was called Gehenna. And they would set all of the bodies on fire and there would just be a constant fire. The fire would never go out. So the Jew at that day actually would call, would refer to hell as Gehenna because where, where the fire is never extinguished, where the worm never dies and the fire never goes out kind of a thing. Um, and that's, but, so that's where they were usually supposed to go. But, but in, in Luke's account, this, uh, very well known and, and rich man named Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate. Pilate was reluctant to crucify Christ, he, but he did out of political expediency, which we can talk about some other time. And Pilate grants him that, yes, you know, that, that's fine. There's a lot there, but that's it. But, but he grants uh, that he can, uh, he, he can take his body and do what he will with it. And he actually sets him in his own tomb. The tomb Christ was buried in was the tomb of a rich man, which was also prophesied about. It, it, it's not just some poor <laughs> grave that he's put into. It's a great tomb. And remember, I had mentioned, uh, um, Nicodemus had brought, I think it was 75, 70 or 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. For his burial, that's a lot. That is a lot, and and and, and that that is that goes into the beauty of the of the ceremony, the beauty of the burial. I just wanted to illustrate that to y'all. It's important. We 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 really focus on the crucifixion. We really focus on the resurrection. All of those four points. First of all, his earthly ministry. First of all, his incarnation. There's a lot involved, but we we shouldn't skip uh, um, over certain portions of these quite as easily as we tend to. The burial was essential uh, and it also was beautiful. The ascension was essential and we'll uh, we'll look more into that next time. But let's go ahead and start uh, in Acts 1 
I already read the first three. So let's go to verse four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? There you are. So again, for 40 days, he's still teaching them. You know, this is all supposed to be fulfilled. This is... Excuse me. This is what the uh, uh, scripture said of me that, you know, uh, that, that he, he must suffer and then enter into his glory. And they're still wondering, though, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They're still expecting this almost geopolitical warrior to come and reign in righteousness and destroy all their enemies. And it, so uh, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, sh- you shall be my witnesses, or you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's where that's where we'll stop for now. Um, real quickly, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. This is one of those things that's kind of interesting and particularly fascinating in regards to the Trinity, uh, because obviously Jesus does know everything; He is omniscient. But there are some things he doesn't know. One thing is this. Only the Father knows when that kingdom will be established. Only, only the Father knows when that day will be. Even, even the Son doesn't know. It's just one of those interesting things. Uh, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. So it starts in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's what I was alluding to uh, in the beginning. So it begins in Jerusalem, the center of Judaism, first of all, um, and it works out kind of in concentric circles. I'd actually, I like to think of it as kind of expanding circle of fire because uh, they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember uh, when John was asked, why do you baptize? He says, I baptize you with water, but there is one who's coming after me, who's preferred before me, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to untie. Uh, he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Interesting, real quickly, I know this, this is an aside, but when uh, John says, uh, whose sandal straps I'm not even worthy to untie, the, the Jewish slave in that day, first of all, they were, it, was, it was forbidden uh, technically that Jews become slaves, but in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the off chance or in the chance that they actually do become slaves, there was one thing that they would never be uh, commanded to do. And that is to uh, take off the shoes or strap or untie uh, the, the sandals of their master. And so John's saying, I'm not even worthy of doing that. I'm not just a slave and I'm not just under a slave. I'm not worthy to do that, which a slave doesn't even have to do. So it's really to introduce the book. Uh, but I do want to close again with Chesterton. Joy, which was a small publicity of the pagan, is a gigantic secret of the, of the Christian. And as I close this chaotic volume, I open again a strange small book from which all Christianity came. And I am again haunted by a kind of confirmation. The tremendous figure which fills the Gospels towers in this respect as in every other, above all the thinkers who ever thought themselves tall. His pathos was natural, almost casual. The Stoics, ancient and modern, were proud of concealing their tears. He never concealed his tears. He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far side of his native city when he came to Jerusalem. Uh, Yet he concealed something, 
Solemn supermen and imperial diplomatists are proud of restraining their anger. He never restrained his anger. He flung furniture down the front steps of the temple and asked man how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. Yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence. There was in that shattering personality a thread that must be called shyness. There was something that he hid from all men when he went up a mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was something, some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon our mirth. And I have sometimes fancied that it was his mirth. So, real quickly, we see a bunch of different emotions from Christ. We see him angry. We see him crying. Uh, we see him uh, comforting. We see him gentle. We see him meek. We see him, again, very angry. We see all these different things. One of the things we don't hear or don't see is Jesus smiles. Jesus laughs. Now, wait, I have, and, I, and I'm going to take this actually to another level. Uh, we, we see all these things. Remember when I was telling you uh, when we were going over First uh, Corinthians uh, about the love, right? And, and love will never fail. Uh, prophecies will fail. Uh, speaking in tongues will fail. All this will fail, but love won't, right? Because it's the one thing that will exist for, for we know, for now we know in part, but then we will know in full. Again, using C.S. Lewis, why this always happens, but using C.S. Lewis, he, he gave a cool, neat illustration. He's saying, you know, uh, hypothetically, he's not encouraging anybody to do this, but let's say you were to tell, talk to like a, a younger boy, you know, a, a, a husband and a wife, or, to, or just the husband is talking to this little boy and he's telling him, forgive me, this makes a point. And so I'm not, there's no perverse, you know, there's no perversion here, but this, he's trying to tell the boy that basically sex is the greatest physical pleasure, uh, that you can, that you have, have in life, which I agree with. Uh, it is the greatest physical pleasure. And, but the boy would, because he doesn't know what the heck sex is, he would probably respond to something to the effect of, does it involve chocolate? And once the, once the, the father says no, all he associates with sex is that it doesn't involve chocolate. His physical, his greatest physical, uh, experience is eating chocolate. He knows nothing of sex. So that goes back to, uh, uh, when Paul is saying, for now I know in part, but then we will know in full. We don't know in full because we are not there. And it's the same thing. I think one of the reasons he, his mirth is concealed is because we don't, we can't even handle the glimpse of it. <laughs> you know, we will see it in its fullness. All of his anger will be gone. All of his, all of his tears will be gone. All of his comforting words will be gone. We won't need to be comforted. <laughs> the joy will be resplendent. His mirth will have no end and we'll be enjoying him forever in that light. So I think it's the one glimpse of heaven that we never get because we can never appreciate even in a glimpse this side of heaven. For listening to CFIR Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue in the book of Acts.